I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. over and over again. And so the job of the preacher 
is to try to tell you this story in a new way every year, to try to bring life to it, um, a story that you might know so well. It's almost, it's one of the hardest seasons of the church to preach because you know the story. So how do we bring this alive for you again? So this Christmas, we are um, working our way through a sermon series on the names of Jesus. And today we are going to talk about what it means that Jesus is the great redeemer. And so I wonder what you feel like. Here's a question for you. I wonder what you feel like when, when a picture is taken of you. When you see a picture of yourself. Are you one of those people who always think they look horrible in photographs? Or do you think generally that you're super photogenic? It's okay to admit that. I think I'm generally photogenic. <laughs> um, so I have a number of people in my life who claim they always look horrible in photographs. Now think for a second about that logic. Think for a second about that logic of such a conviction. You see yourself in a photograph and you think that person does not look as beautiful and charming and witty and relaxed and cool as I, I like to think I look. Either that phone has a bad camera or the photographer is hopeless at it. He isn't holding the phone high enough to get your right angle or I have a gene that makes me drop all my fine qualities, the moment someone points a camera lens at me, or this is, this is the most likely. I have the kind of warm and effusive personality that's just impossible to capture in a single two-dimensional photo, right? We can simply say that's what the photograph shows. So I guess that's what I must look like then. And maybe I should just deal with that reality. But we don't do that. Instead, we redeem that reality in ourselves, right? We don't say, that's what it looks, that's what I look like. Oh my gosh, we don't take that reality into heart, but we redeem it. We save ourselves from the possibility of, that we possibly could look that bad by saying, I always look terrible in photographs. So it's, all, it's just the photographs. In other words, I, I know who I am. I know who I am. No one else really knows who I am. Least of all that cruel and distorting and cold-hearted phone that takes those horrific photos of me. I know who I am. Do you? Okay, fair enough. You know, you're more wonderful and more exquisite in looks and intelligence and character and taste and talent and style than anyone could describe or capture about you. But do you really know who you are? One of the benefits of social media is that it gives us innumerable opportunities to redeem ourselves. Innumerable opportunities to present ourselves to one another at our best. Right? Isn't that what Facebook and Instagram is for? A chance to say, hey y'all, out there, I'm in the middle of a wild party right now, but I love you, and here's a few photos of me that don't do me justice of course, but at least remind you that I'm lots of fun. We're constantly making it easy for people to understand how brilliant um, but unthreatening we are. One thing people have started um, putting on resumes even is a little line under their full name that says goal. And what follows is a succinct but generic summary of everything they have to bring to the world. Something like, high achiever who selflessly wants to use my outstanding gifts, 
with, inevit with inevitably less wise and gifted people, and to apply my mastery of all technology, including that not yet invented, to bring about lasting change in the world. When we're immersed in such a culture of like digitally enhanced appearances and fleeting connections, it's very hard to answer the question, really answer the question, who are you? Instead, we're constantly answering the question, who can I persuade people that I am, right? What we call successful people are those who've convinced a large number of the public that they're brilliant, but unthreatening. And that's why successful people often find this question, who am I, particularly hard to answer. Because they've peddled their publicity so many times they've started to believe it themselves. Success is a drug that makes you think your identity and your character are products you can market to customers. You think you're fooling them, but in the end, the one you're really fooling is yourself. By contrast, when you've had months or years out of work, when you've had the courage to admit the one thing in life you truly want and yet it's never happened for you, when, when you've experienced a terrible illness or, or injury that's left you in need of long-term care, or when you or your family have had to bear a private burden together, if exposed would, would bring down a cloud of public shame maybe, if this is your story, then the likelihood is you do know who you are. Even if you, even if who you are is a daily struggle. Because you know what it's like to need to be saved. You know what it's like to be searching for real redemption rather than blaming the camera. John's gospel begins with a great sweeping prologue, locating Jesus at the heart of God's purposes and at the heart of the universe. And then we find ourselves abruptly face to face with a man giving testimony, a man called John, a man who sets up stall some way from the epicenter of Israel, some way from Jerusalem, from the temple, from the people who decided what was godly, indeed on the other side of the Jordan, outside the traditional boundaries of the promised land. And John doesn't have a website or an Instagram account. There is no way for John to peddle the version of himself he'd like to believe he was or would like people to see about him. It's truly hard to know who John is and what he stands for. The high and mighty send their lackeys to say to John, who are you? And he has an answer for them. It's a very strange answer. He says, I am not. I am not is what John says. It's a funny kind of answer. He repeats it several times. There's something almost aggressive about it. But that quickly makes sense when you realize that the people John's talking to are messengers from the very same crowd of leaders who'll put both John and Jesus to death two or three years after this conversation. This isn't an idle game of 20 questions where only John knows the answer and everyone else has to guess and he, he takes delight and you know just shaking his head, who are you? I'm not. <laughs> No, this is this like cross-examination with John's head on the block. His life depends on this answer, answering this question. And eventually, John puts his interrogators out of their misery and gives them a straight answer. I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. 
These words are actually a quotation from the prophet Isaiah, and they're this clear statement from John that he's well in line with the way that God has worked over centuries and prepared Israel for this moment. But they also say a lot about John. They say what he is, a voice, where he is in the wilderness, what he's doing, crying out, and what is really going on, the fact that the Lord is coming soon. John has asked the question over and over again, who are you? And his answer is, I can't answer that. I can't answer that question except in relation to Jesus. Think about those words for a moment. I can't answer that question except in relation to Jesus. Is that your answer? Rather than saying, I know who I am, you've just got the, wrong, the, the focus wrong or the camera wrong or the photographer wrong or the angle wrong. Rather than saving ourselves from who we are by redeeming the story about ourselves, John says, I don't even know who I am. John says, I don't, I, I only know who I am except in relation to Jesus. I don't know who I am except that I know I, I cannot save myself. I cannot redeem my own story. I don't know who I am outside of God's, not mine, not my redeeming work, but God's redeeming work. I don't know who I am outside the fact that I am just a voice, and I'm just one crying in the wilderness, one who is just making a way for Jesus because Jesus made a way for me first. I'm just sharing the good news as, a, as the great redeemer because that great redeemer redeemed me, saved me. I don't have any purpose in life, any goal in life, any satisfaction in life, any bearings in life, any wisdom in life, any security in life, any identity in life, aside from Jesus. Jesus is the way I know who I am. And for many of us, Jesus feels more like it's just a choice, like a figure with whom we choose to identify our faith and something we could theoretically use to redeem ourselves or save ourselves if and when we need it. But to claim Jesus as our great redeemer is to say that we don't know who we are except for the one who redeemed us. Would you pray with me? God, great redeemer, each of our stories has nuances of how you have saved us like John, how we are, are no one. I am not, we are not, without how you have done a work of beauty in our lives. How you have saved us from ourselves, saved us from the world to evil, redeemed the worst part of ourselves, redeemed the worst things we could have done, redeemed even the evil of this world, making something beautiful out of something horrible. That's the work you do. And we are no one outside of that. And that's why, God, we come to this table today. And we break bread with you. And you remind us at this meal that it's the meal that, that gathers us and reminds us that you are doing a redeeming work in us. You are making beauty 
out of our ashes. We share a cup with you, Jesus, at this table, being reminded that all are invited here, and that through this cup, we receive salvation. We are reminded that we cannot save ourselves. Who are we, God, except for redeemed by you? And so pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice today. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world this living witness of your redemption. All honor and glory is yours now and forever, God. Amen. Amen. But those who are assisting, come forward. Table of the Lord. There is peace at the table.